The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, December 31st, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me daydreaming about five slices of pizza. Look at the metabolism on that guy. Look at his his metabolism. Good morning. Good morning to you. Before we preview the weekend with the final four and one, um, I did want to look back at the previous couple of nights because there were some, some, not a lot, but some interesting developments. The most interesting of which I think came inside Auburn Arena. It was final score, Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers 70, Will Wade's LSU Tigers 55, Walker Kessler. A young man some predicted in the preseason, and by some, I mean I, I mean I, predicted in the preseason would be a breakout star of college basketball. He finished with 16 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 blocked shots. Triple-double, just a second in Auburn history. Deadleg, where were you? and your family, when Walker Kessler finally broke out. Do you suspect you'll remember it forever? No, I'll remember it for at least a couple of months. But I, uh, I, a year from now, and I'm not, I'm not certain that I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to remember it forever. I know that. That's why we're leading with this. He's been awesome, man. Uh, it was the first triple-double with at least 11 blocks since 2018 in all of college basketball. And he's just the third power conference player Trivia time. Okay. Okay. Good morning to YouTube, by the way. We got a happy 22. We have an Australian listener listening after midnight. Someone's listening to us from the year 2022 right now live. I know a lot of people are going to actually listen to us when it's 2022. But uh, but Sam Bassini. What's up, Sam? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, um, an impromptu trivia time here. I don't know the name of the other one, but I know at least one of them. So um, if you get the other one, I'm going to have to research it real quick. Can you name one of the other two power conference players in the past decade to get a triple-double with at least 11 blocks? Taco Fall? Not Taco Fall. Herb Pope? Not not Herb Pope. Big, Big 12. Big 12, 11 blocks. Oh, that was clearly... Triple-double. Yeah. That was clearly, that was clearly Silvio D'Souza. No, it was one Jeff Withy was in 2012. Jeff Withy, Withy, yeah. So uh, the point is what Walker Kessler did on Wednesday night when Auburn had an extremely impressive win over an LSU team who, by the way, played its first game against a top 50 Ken Palm opponent 
and its first game on the road in a true road environment. LSU didn't fare so well in its biggest test so far this season. Uh, Kessler was awesome, and he was the star of the game. And in fact, in the power rankings, I've got Auburn top 10. I had in the past four games, Kessler's averaging 6.8 blocks. He's actually blossoming into truly at this at this stage. I mean, and how he's being used, he's blossoming into one of the best big men in the country, which is a really good thing for Auburn because, oh, by the way, very well could have a top three 2022 NBA pick on its roster in Jabari Smith, who was almost casual with 16 points. So, um, yeah, good developments for for Bruce Pearl's team, which at this point, as I said, in the power rankings, it's Auburn is a viable Final Four contender at this point. I don't think there's any denying it when you look at the record, how they've played, who they've beaten, and the the advancements on that roster. It's It's good signs all around for that team. I give you the option. I put them both on the table. You can take one of them. Do you want the front court of Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren? Or Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. I will still take Drew Chimmy and Chet Holmgren, but that is a question I could not have possibly imagined being a realistic one when we started this season. But still, give me Timmy and Chet, but it's a pretty close one. What about you? Yeah, I think I'd still probably go Timmy and Chet, but, I mean, it is close. I mean, Jabari has been awesome. And like you said, is now a legitimate candidate to be the first pick in the 2022 NBA draft. I don't know that he will be. I mean, it could still be Chet Holmgren. It could be Paulo Bencaro. I doubt it's anybody other than one of those two, if not Jabari Smith. But Jabari has has elevated himself um, into that conversation. It's not like he came out of nowhere. He's a consensus top 10 player in the country in his high school class. McDonald's All-American, son of a former NBA player, all of that stuff. But people weren't talking about him as a potential number one overall pick, but they clearly are now he's averaging 16.2 points, 6.9 rebounds and shooting 42.9% from three on 5.4 attempts per game. This is a 16, like real player who is launching from three and, and, and making them at a, at a, at a really impressive rate. Um, so like, that's all the stuff that, that NBA people want to see. Oh, 6'10", can move really well and consistently knock down that shot. Yeah, that's the way you make like $200 million someday. So he's been fantastic. They got Alan Flanagan back. Um, Auburn has. He's played two games now. Easing back into the rotation. Only 12 minutes against Murray State. 29 against LSU. And then against LSU, he had, um, I think it's four of eight from the field. 10.6 rebounds. So he's getting comfortable. And then Kessler as predicted, is breaking through. Um, I, 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 I remember on the podcast in the offseason, I mentioned that, you know, he didn't play much last season at Carolina because he got called the numbers game. You know, they had Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks, De'Ron Sharp. So everybody, you know, North Carolina had at least, and this is wild to think about, but Carolina had at least three bigs, like traditional bigs, who were either older or better. And so he only played 8.8 minutes per game. But one of the things I pointed out is that when he played, he produced. He only played at least 20 minutes twice last season. But in those games, he averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds, and six blocks. And you you'd sort of chuckled because you were like, it's a small sample size. <laughs> Who's chuckling now, dead leg? <laughs> Who's chuckling now? <laughs> I guess I still am. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's really hey listen it's it's wonderful to see and if you watch that game against lsu like he's figured it out man they've got it they've got it absolutely rolling there um and the arena like the arena i went and looked this up the other uh this morning i was gonna say the other day like i was prepping for this seven days ago um 
that, that arena is awesome. And when it's filled up, it's a tremendous atmosphere. You know, it was built about 10 years ago. And it only holds like 9,000, which is perfect. Every college basketball arena should hold like no more than 9,000 people. Except for Kansas and Kentucky. Yeah, and a, couple, a couple of them, you know, Kansas holds, I, off the top of my head, I feel like Kansas holds like 17. But, and that's, it's like the perfect size. Maybe it's not that big, but. It's I big though. Saying. Yeah, it's big, but it, but it's big, but it's intimate. It works well. But most college arenas should max out at, at 10 because you've got a, you've got a really good environment intimacy there. And. Uh, more often than not, you know, a lot of these games with arenas that are just too big, they just it can't fill up. It doesn't sound a good vibe. Even even, you know, Carolina, when it's not playing a, a premier non-conference or conference opponent, um, will sometimes struggle filling the humongous Dean Dome, which when it's filled is amazing. But uh, I agree. Auburn, Auburn size. Baylor's getting a new arena in a couple of years. That's going to be like seven and change. Right. That's is- that's great. But I love it. I, I can't wait to see what that actually looks like in practice, in games, once we actually get to uh, – it's going to make the ticket hard. It's going to make it more of an event kind of feel. So I get with what you're saying there. And it came across – visually, it came across pretty well on TV the other night. And, yeah, it looks like they've really got uh, – they've got something going there. Would you take – you might have been going off on another tangent here, so feel free to circle back. But real quick, as we flip to 2022 here, no, none of us, neither of us had Auburn winning the SEC in the preseason. It's now clearly in the mix there. Um, is, would that be your updated pick? I would, I'm still sticking with Alabama, who we'll get to in just a second. I'll still stick with Bama to win the SEC, but I'm just kind of wondering what your temperature well, take is. I mean, you know, we're now about eight weeks into the season, and Auburn is the highest-ranked SEC team in the top 25 and one. Um, so they've certainly been the most impressive to date. I mean, the only loss is a double overtime loss to UConn day before Thanksgiving. I mean, they could be yeah. easily – that was a really good game, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, they could easily be undefeated right now. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm not going to switch up my picks to win everything every week. But, yeah, if you told me, um, hey, you got to take 100 grand and bet it on one team to win the SEC, I think the, the, the smart pick is probably Auburn at this point. I mean, they've got Kessler playing at a high level. Jabari Smith looking like, you know, a top three pick in the draft. Alan Flanagan is back. Um, they've got an incredible home court advantage. They've got an accomplished coach. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to like. And for whatever it's worth, Kim Pom now projects them to go 14 and four in the SEC and win the league by multiple games. So, mm. you know, I, yeah, like yeah. would I feel good about Auburn winning the SEC outright by multiple games? No, but I think, just think there's too many other good teams. Like yeah. there's too many teams that could win that league. Kentucky can right. win it. Alabama can win it. Arkansas just took a questionable loss, but like, you know, it's still Arkansas. I think they're going to be good. There's a lot of candidates to win that league. So I wouldn't feel great about anybody winning it by multiple games. But again, for whatever it's worth, Kim Pom has Auburn winning the SEC by multiple games. The other power conference player for anyone listening and wondering is Arizona State's Jordan Pachinski. And in 2012 against Cal State Northridge, he had 13 points, 12 blocks, 12 rebounds. Jeff Withy did it against San Jose State in 2012. Walker Kessler did his uh, against a power conference opponent. So good on Walker Kessler. Good on Auburn. Um, did, you you this, did you see this little fact? And then we'll move on in the game. I thought I just thought it was interesting. Uh, in the win over LSU, Walker Kessler blocked three LSU shots before LSU made one shot. Oh, I did not. I did not. See that. <laughs> Which is just out <laughs> ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And uh, yeah, keep an eye on Auburn going forward. Okay, real quick, uh, before we get to previewing the weekend, kind of a tour around the sport. Um, games of note uh, that happened previously. So first of all, Providence 
wins against Seton Hall and Providence. Now, where do you have them ranked in your top 25 and one? I think I moved them up to 16, maybe. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a top 20 team. And, uh, there's no argument at this point. They still are not, uh, swaying the metrics to this level. Um, they're, they were at the last net ranking Providence was 29th. Providence has five quad one wins. No one else in America has more than three. And even teams like what about, out, what about outside of America? No one outside of America has five quad one wins. I promise you. That's interesting. You. No one else in this universe. Providence right now is the only team in the universe in the known universe. I'm not going to account for alternate universes. We've already talked about this before. Can't get down that rabbit hole there, but I get so confused when you start talking about that. It doesn't even make, it doesn't even make sense in my little simple head. Oh man. Alt versus very interesting stuff here, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, Gonzaga three and two against quad one Auburn. who We just talked about three and one against quad one Duke three and one Purdue is undefeated in quad one games. And again, we're early here. It's December 31st, new year's Eve. Hello. But Purdue three. It's actually, it's actually we're we're as late as you can get. It's December thirty first. In the calendar year, yes, but in the basketball season, that's too not early. early. But you know, we're too early. Let me ask you this real quick for me and the listeners. Yeah, where what is the best website to go to to look at quad one wins and compare them all? Where do you go? What are you looking at right now? I am I am looking at warrennolan.com. That's where I go to. That's just the easiest one to, to filter it automatically. Is that to... where you go, or did you need the website, Gary? Baby, I got Warren Nolan bookmarked right now. Okay. Got all so sorts you, of things so you bookmarked. Got, you've, got, you've got Ken Palm. Yep. You've got your top 70 Big Bang Challenges of 2021. Yes. You've got Bart Torvik sorted without the preseason bias. Yep. And then you've got Warren Nolan. Uh, here, here's what I've got in some... Uh... Some basketball bookmarks. I'll read it straight down. Tell me what I'm missing. I've got Ken Palm, followed by net rankings, followed by strength of record, followed by Warren Nolan, followed by Sagarin ratings, followed by Torvik, tempo free stats, hoop math. Mm, hoop math. Look at my guy. I got hoop math. Wow. I got hoop math bookmarked. I'm not playing around anymore. You, I think sometimes I think you think I'm playing around sometimes. I'm not playing around anymore. True story. This is like 2012, maybe 2013. I swear to you, this is true because I've never forgotten it since. And you'd have to be a long time listener to remember this. But there was once an episode for about 10 minutes hmm. when I was hosting and I had Parrish and one Jeff and you two outright mocked me for referencing Ken Palm as much as I did. You mocked me. And now look how far you've come. It happened, my man. Now I get mocked. It happened. And now I'm just like, you know, can we can we ease off? Can we keep the Ken Palm references to like under 12 in an episode? Can we? Well, I was I, I thought I thought it was understood that Ken always knew I was crediting him. I think he should charge five hundred dollars annual fee for his service. <laughs> like the idea that he only changed charges 20 bucks is crazy. Again, we had we had some serious blowback from people being like, dude, like, don't give him any ideas. I want to give him I want to give him ideas. I want to give Kim Pomeroy ideas. And so uh, I thought he always knew, like, uh, of course, GP's credited me. And I think he does. But then, like, everybody started using his numbers, but without attribution. Mm -hmm. And then he popped on Twitter and, and they started banging heads one day. So I was like, well, I'm not going to get my head banged by Kim Pomeroy. I'm going to credit him every time. Kim Pom, Kim Pom, Kim Pom. And you do. Uh, Providence is 12 and 1, 5 and 0 in quad one games. It is 3 and 1 in quad three games. Yes, believe it or not. 
Losing to the Virginia Cavaliers on a neutral floor right now qualifies as a quad three loss. But Providence uh, looking really, really good. They were able to be, albeit a shorthanded Seton Hall team, and it was a home win at the dunk for PC. It's first game between two ranked teams in that building since 2016 when Providence made uh, the tournament that year, and they started uh, what? Uh, they started, they started really good. Maybe they also might have been 14 and one when they started that season. They had Chris Dunn, Ben Bentel on that team. And so, yeah, just wanted to give a little bit of love to the Friars here. They've been consistently getting love in, uh, in the power rankings. They're, they, there's no reason for me to believe this team isn't going to the tournament. And that wasn't the case in the preseason. So, uh, right now, and we'll, we'll talk Nova and Seton Hall a little bit when we preview the weekend here. But when you look across the Big East, even though Providence doesn't rank, highly yet give it a couple more weeks to think of some wins i think you're going to really see them start to scoot up you know pc's 12 and 1 it's the best record of any team in the big east and then you know nova's got an urgent game this weekend xavier is not that far behind they're 11 and 2 but they're coming off a loss to villanova uh uconn's 10 and 3 it's on a pause dan hurling from COVID 19 um i think he actually kind of got hit by it badly so uh, hopefully dan's feeling better and on the mend and then uconn can get back on the floor soon we're at more than 100 plus pauses right now by the way gonzaga being the most notable one as we record in the past say 20 hours gonzaga is not going to play loyola marymount on saturday as scheduled and i believe it's game against san francisco is actually in doubt and that's next thursday so um the numbers keep climbing hopefully our that number you know comes with less you know consistency as we go forward but anyway um good on good on pc any thoughts on the big east before or providence before i mention the other games of note here I know everything about Providence. I know you. I know you. They find you. <laughs> I haven't heard from my lesbian artist lately. Okay. The Providence fan. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. She hates Ken Palm just way, way more <laughs> than she hates me. You, do, a, do a Twitter search. I, I can't remember my. I can't remember the, the, the name, but I just noticed she tagged me and Ken Palm in the same one, or maybe it was, maybe it was separate, but I saw it because I was – I got intrigued by her art. I was just scrolling through, you know, taking it all in. And uh, <laughs> she had tweeted at Kim Pomeroy. She called him a, uh, she said something about his, his algorithms. And then it was like, um, you're, you're so effing stupid. <laughs> She's so mad about Ken, about how his, how his algorithm is treating the Providence Friars. So uh, uh, early this season. So, Ken and I have a common enemy, although I do not consider an enemy. I consider her um, an artist. Well, a foil. Let's go with that. Uh, elsewhere in the SEC, Alabama beat Tennessee on Wednesday. Just want to give the Tide some love here. Tied of three wins over top 10 net teams, or at least they did at the time when they beat Tennessee there. Um, they didn't shoot well at all. In fact, uh, they needed a run late. They outscored Tennessee by 11 points down the stretch. But Al- Alabama had one of its worst three-point outings in since Nate Oates became the coach, but Noah Gurley had a, had a huge game and uh, that was a good win for the tide. Uh, you know, Tennessee on the road, they did not have Kennedy Chandler or John Fulkerson. They played a heck of a game to be honest with you. And then just down the stretch, Alabama just got the buckets needed. Noah Gurley again, Furman transfer. He came up real big at 20 and 10. So just, Credit to uh, to Alabama. And again, just as I wrote in the power rankings, it just reinforces how good the, like, the top third of that league is going to be. I just I think we'll be talking about the SEC race basically on a weekly basis on this pod 
for the remainder of the season because there's just going to be that many relevant teams playing good games, playing relevant games there. Uh, so keep an eye on that. And then the other one I wanted to mention was what happened on Thursday night. Uh, w- watched the majority of the game, and we we led a podcast or two with this already, but at this point, it's it's a 7-5 and five team. I mean, Michigan goes on the road and loses against UCF 85 to 71. Now credit to UCF. It's now 9 and 2. Uh Johnny Dawkins appears to have his best team since the one that almost beat Duke and Zion Williamson in the tournament and that's obviously a good win for the American. But at the same time, Michigan just cannot get it together. Uh, it is yet to win three consecutive games this season. Um and it was I I get it. It's on the road. It's you're not guaranteed that kind of win. I I applaud Juwan Howard for scheduling like he had a, a preseason top five team. But I bring up the game, Parrish, because I think big picture, Michigan, like, it's in some trouble here. I, credit again, Darren Green, Brandon Mahan, they were awesome for UCF. They combined for, I think, 53 points. They were really good. And if you're a UCF fan, you're probably riding high right now because your school is eventually going to the Big 12. And you might actually wind up being a real factor in the American here and maybe getting that league to a position where maybe, maybe it can be a three bid league. But Michigan's the story. At this point, it's a bubble team and it's it's going to have opportunities, obviously, in, in the Big Ten. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know. Like, I, I just did not, I could not have possibly envisioned a scenario in the preseason where we would be talking about the Wolverines being in that, you know, bubble territory. But that's where they are right now, 42nd in the net. 0-4 in quad one opportunities, 1-1 one one in quad two. It's a bad situation. They will have plenty of opportunities, but I just – if I think about two weeks ago you asked me, is it time to panic if you're a Michigan fan? I said, no, no. I think it kind of borderline is here. That, that was – they USC, UCF ran away from the Wolverines on Thursday night, and so, yeah, there's some, there's some real concern there. And so with that, oh, by the way, even though the Big Ten is still plenty good – the Big Ten is just not quite as good at the top uh, without Michigan being the team that we thought it was. Yeah, I mean, dude, they, anybody can slip up and lose a game here or there. They're just getting beat almost every time they play a good team. I mean, they lost at home to Seton Hall, and we were like, okay, it's early. And then they, you know, lost a neutral court game to Arizona. And we we're like, hey, but Arizona, you know, might be pretty good. And Arizona is pretty good. Um, then they get blasted at North Carolina. North Carolina gets blasted by everybody else. Um, double digits at home. Lost to Minnesota. First-year coach. It's not supposed to happen. And then you go play UCF. And UCF might be better than we think, but they haven't done a lot. It just wasn't competitive. I'm just saying. Right. Like, anyone listening that watched that game, it, you know, it was just it was a, an authoritative win for UCF, which, again, is good for UCF, but it's like, Michigan, what the hell are we doing here? Right. And now you got to go to Rutgers. You went in there? Can't win at UCF? You win it at Rutgers? You might be able to win at Jersey Mike's. If it was the rack, it's yeah. a different situation. A so different I mean, like, we have to take these things into account. Well, I mean, look at this, what they got coming up. It's at Rutgers. They'll be underdogs. Or will they? No, they'll be favored. They'll be favored to win that game. At Rutgers? Yeah. Michigan? Yeah. Should they be? I don't know, but they will be. All right. Um, okay, let's so let's let's give them that. All right. They go to eight and five. Now you got Michigan State at home. Hmm. I mean, we'll see, but like right now, it's clear we'll one team's better than the other. Possible, yeah, but we'll see. Let's give them a loss there. Seven and uh, no, it puts it eight and six. Now Purdue at home. He ain't done That's nothing to make me think you're beating Purdue. Nope. Eight and seven, and then at Illinois, they could really start eight and eight. They could be eight and eight through the first sixteen games. 
telling you, if Michigan's eight and eight after six, again, we're let's just, we got to live in this world. Uh, and if they they play the schedule and Michigan's eight and eight, they're going to need to tear through February to have an at-large case again. So it's just, they I I'm if you say you got to pick one or the other, I'm saying Michigan's going to the NCAA tournament. It'll be one of the sixty-eight. But I did not think it just. I, I told you three weeks ago this was the pointing team in the country because with Memphis there was reason to have some skepticism, even though they were preseason top ten in the eyes of most. Michigan, there was no reason. This is the most disappointing team, I, I think, undeniably at this point. I know Memphis just lost at Tulane. It didn't have half its damn roster there. So I, it's a bad loss, but it's still relatively understandable. It's still Michigan for me, man. That is just, I, you know, it's it's a bit vexing there. And uh, the players they had coming into the roster this season, they just haven't been producing the way that was expected. We ready to move on to the final four and one? Let's rock. We got a pretty good weekend of college basketball on tap. If maybe if the games get play, fingers fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll do the final four and one next, but first, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we got a pretty good weekend of college basketball on tap provided the games get played great opportunity for me to hold on to my lead in the final four and one dead leg what's my lead now am i up three games or four seven what's my lead nada what's it? update us on the records well gp you actually sounds like went three god. And one. sounds like god talking to us doesn't he <laughs> you went three and one but you went three and one the last time we played this okay you're still under 500 but you're but you're getting better you're getting better. It's nine and fifteen for you. Nortlander is eighteen and eleven right now. Nine and fifteen. Nine and fifteen. What's what's my record again, Nada? That would be eighteen and eleven. All right, sounds good. We are definitely not professionals. Maybe take this in mind. I'm a professional. If you want to fade Parish, by all means, do so. Let's roll. Game one, Saturday, noon Eastern. West Virginia at number 17, Texas, inside the Booby Gibson Center. Kim Pom has it, Texas minus seven. You can watch it on ESPNU. Trivia time. Oh, wow. Within one, listen, I will know you read the power rankings if you get this right. Oh, God. So so we'll see. And that's fine. how many? You got to get it within one. So you either hit the number or you're one over or one fewer. How many wins does Bob Huggins have all time against Chris Beard? And people in the live chat, take a take a stab at it. If you're at the power rankings, you know the answer. How many wins does Bob Huggins have against well, Chris Beard? Yeah. How many wins does Bob Huggins have against Chris Beard? Two. Is that your final answer? Yep. 
All right, I'll just let a couple more seconds go by. People want to play along at home? The answer is not two. Bob Huggins is seven and five all time against Chris Beard. All 12 meetings happened when Beard was at Texas Tech. So he is above 500. I only bring that up because when I did the power ranks, I thought, I bet you Chris Beard has a winning record against Bob Huggins. And uh, yeah, I was wrong. And so, yeah, Bob Huggins does have a winning record here. West Virginia is, you could make the case that West Virginia is the, uh, is the ultimate combination at this point in the season of the team with the best record that's gotten the least amount of discussion around the sport because there just hasn't been a ton to talk about with West Virginia yet. But this is an 11-1 and team. Its best wins have come against Clemson. UConn, and they actually got a nice road win against UAB two weeks ago. So let's give a little bit of a chatter to to the Mountaineers here. Bob Huggins has been able to ride his, his Taz Sherman, who was expected to be, you know, top 10 level kind of player in the Big 12. He certainly has been that. Sean McNeil, again, a reliable perimeter threat. So it's those two above all others, although Malik Curry has been, um, he's been an important veteran on this team this season as well. So I think there's a really good chance this could be a great game. Um, this will be, do you remember the, you, I don't know. When I mentioned this, you're going to remember it. But the last time Chris Beard was in a home game against Bob Huggins, do you remember what happened? Silvio Souza. Almost punched somebody. No. Last season, Beard gets ejected, sits on the court in protest. And then goes and shakes Hug's hand. And then he gives he actually gives him a fist bump. But yeah, Beard sits cross-legged. He's losing his mind. <laughs> and then Beard, he's, you know, he, he doesn't he really doesn't take himself too too seriously at all. And then and like Huggins is just kind of standing there and just kind of like stone face gives beard the the fist bump and then beard walks out so um the way way i remember that is that chris was fired up and ejected but still had enough about him to say that's hugs i'm not walking out of here without telling hugs what's up that's right it was a great moment and it was a beard i just i'd never seen him that out of his gourd before but hopefully we don't have an ejection if we do it has to one up that one um you said an ejection you said the line was seven that's what kim pom said Give me, give me, give me West Virginia to, to cover here. It's been a, it's been a good team. Um, Texas is certainly capable. I've been flirting with putting Texas in the power ranks. I haven't done it yet. They just don't have the win to validate it. I just, I can't get myself there. Uh, Longhorns fans, if your team does win this game, I'm going to put them in next in next week's edition of the Hey 19. But I think UT wins, but West Virginia keeps it close. This is a fun one. Give me, a, give me WVU. On this, just only because this just popped into my head. I hope everybody can make note of this. I'm about to help everybody in the entire world with something. Everybody who talks about college basketball, writes about college basketball, tweets about college basketball. You ready for this? What did I do? No, you did nothing. All right. Bob Huggins. If you don't want to call him Bob or Bob Huggins, you call him Hugs. He ain't Huggy Bear. Nobody calls him Huggy Bear. Nobody, nobody who knows Bob Huggins calls him Huggy Bear. You're nobody. Can you imagine walking up to? <laughs> can you imagine even walking up to Bob Huggins and daring to say those two words to his face? I hear it all the time, and I see it all the time. Ooh, great win for Huggy Bear. Nobody calls him that. That's not his. That's not his name or his nickname. Bob Huggins is either Bob or Bob Huggins, or more appropriately, or at least more often, more frequently. He's hugs. Every friend he's got calls him hugs. If you call Andy Kennedy 
and say, who did you used to work for at Cincinnati? He'll say hugs. Everybody says hugs. Stop it with the huggy bear stuff. It drives me crazy. And if it drives me crazy, it must drive Bob Huggins crazy. Yeah. Like you said, West Virginia is 11 and one, but like the wins are, I mean, at UAB, that's a real win, yeah. but it's like, you know, it's a real win, but it's not, it's, it is what it is. UConn's a real win. Shorthanded UConn. Okay. Uh, they got the, uh, look at you trying, you're trying to, trying to take down hugs right now. How dare I, feel, you? I feel like, I feel like UConn's been shorthanded the entire year. You're right about that. I feel the same way. Yeah, they just they they they've been missing like it feels like multiple key players all year. So there's nothing great with West Virginia in the win department. Some good stuff, but nothing great. And then they lost to Marquette by double digits. So that's how, you know, if you, I get asked every once in a while, like West Virginia's eleven to one. Why don't you have them ranked? They haven't done anything worthy of of launching into the top twenty five and one yet. But winning at Texas could will almost certainly definitely. Winning at Texas will change it. I'll go ahead and put that on the record. Um, they're only 42nd at Ken Palm. West Virginia is. But they do. They are 16th in strength of record, which I didn't really. I would not have guessed that. Except, like, you know, they've won 11 of their 12 games. So maybe their record is strong. Um, you mentioned Taz Sherman. He's having a, you know, a, a big-time junior season, like all-American-level stuff if West Virginia can, you know, become a top 20, top 15 team. He looks like an all-American caliber player. And then on the other side, we talked about Texas in the preseason. I believed in them, but I was like, I don't know who their best player is going to be. I don't know how good they're going to be. I think they're going to be good, but I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you know, if it's a bit of a, you know, got a lot of talented players, but doesn't quite work for whatever reason. They're sitting here ten and two right now. I still have no idea if this team is good. I mean, I know it's good. I think it's good. I I don't know if it's potentially great. Mm -hmm. Ten and two, but the best wins over Stanford. So no good wins, uh, but they also have no bad losses. You know, the losses are to what uh, at Gonzaga and at Seton Hall. So two road losses to legitimate, you know, you know, top 25 caliber teams. They just, they've done nothing to make you go. I don't think they're good, but they've done nothing to make you go. Oh boy. They're great. And Oh, by the way, Timmy Allen is their leading scorer and rebounder. I don't know if many people predicted that in the preseason, He's a transfer from Utah. And then trivia time. Lay it on me. How many Texas players are currently averaging more points per game than Marcus Carr? That's a good one. He has not been. <laughs> to answer this, but quick diatribe, man. It feels like every single offseason for the past five or six years, there's, you know, there's three to five transfers that get a ton of pub. Maybe even like two or three, they get a ton of pub. And at least one of those players just does not match the hype whatsoever. And we never learn our lesson. Carr is that right now. Um, I'll say Carr is the fifth leading scorer on this Texas team. You son of a. Come on, knock it down. I don't, have, to, I don't have the soundboard ready, but yes, knock it down. Knock it down. He is UT's fifth leading scorer, averaging 8.4 points per game. He has averaged double digits in each of the previous three seasons, and he averaged 19.4 points last season at Minnesota. Now just 8.4 points per game, shooting a career-low 38.4% from the field and a career-low 31.7% from three. He hasn't been good. Nope, hasn't been good at all. I got to pick the game, huh? Yeah, that's how this works. Damn. I'll take West Virginia in the points. I think Texas wins the game, but I'll trust Hugs. 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 I'll trust Hugs and his team to keep it 
within seven. Game two, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Ooh, boy. Number one, Baylor at number eight, Ohio, Iowa State. Number eight, let me do that again. Game two, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Number one, Baylor at number eight, Iowa State. Inside, Craig Bracken's Coliseum. Mm. Kim Pom has it, Baylor minus seven. You can watch it on ESPNU. Craig, you and Craig Brackens. Love Craig Brackens. That's a, I, was, I was thinking maybe a little, um, call it Marcus Pfizer Court. How about oh, this? How about Craig this? For little, yeah, I know that. How about this? First of all, for anyone that might have missed that in our, uh, in our crosstalk, what channel is this? What channel is the game of the weekend on? ESPNU. It's New Year's Day. Football everywhere. That's correct. So, uh, but uh, hey, at least it's at least it's on something. And no one anticipated. No one anticipated uh, this game would be. I bet you this was originally like an ESPN Plus game, and then they upgraded it like two weeks ago. This was originally. I actually looked this up. This was originally on the Pac-12 Network. Oh, okay. They were going to play Baylor, Iowa State on the Pac-12 Network. Then Baylor goes is undefeated, ranked number one. Iowa State goes from a two-win team to. Ranked in the top 10, and they said, we got to upgrade this to ESPNU. How about that? <laughs> it, was uh, a, it was a rough development for the Pac-12 network. Given that this is the game of the weekend, I felt, and we're losing games left and right, I felt compelled to just reach out to both head coaches on Thursday night and said, you know, are you good to go? Or, like, should we just be prepared? Is it, are we in limbo here? Um, and Scott Drew said, no, we are, we are good. We were great with the vaccination. We are great with our booster situation. We are clear to go. And TJ Altsberg, Iowa State's coach, said, yeah, there's, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be playing, and we've been fortunate so far, so we are good to go. And so barring something happening that neither coach sees on the horizon whatsoever, they think that their, their testing situation has been great. So it's wonderful that we're going to get this game. How about this one? This comes from Iowa State's Sports and Information Department. Shouts to Matt, uh, Matt Schultz. This is only the fourth time in the past 40 years where there's been a college basketball game between two teams that are 12 and 0 or better into January. How about that? So it's actually it's it's not just the game of the weekend. We just normally don't get two teams facing off this late in the season that haven't lost a game yet. So that's that's awesome. By the way, another one of my preseason predictions that went wrong. I said there would be zero undefeated teams left when we got to January 1st. I feel like the Omicron variant also might have helped with this, but I was destined to be wrong anyway because Baylor wasn't losing no matter what. Baylor was never losing before January 1st, so congrats to the Bears at uh, at absolute minimum with that. Um, this is going to be a defensive battle. Iowa State's allowing like 56 points a game. Baylor's, in, Baylor's top five in offensive and defensive efficiency uh, at Ken Palm there. TJ Otzelberger at 12-0. It's the best start of any coach in Iowa State history. And uh, it's the second best start for any Big 12 coach in his first season uh, at 12 and 0. So it's, they, they continue to be a, a great story. But I went on radio Thursday and I voted out. Okay. All right. Sounds good, dude. I'm just saying, I, I brought this up on radio uh, that like Iowa State's been a fun story. We talked about it on the podcast, it's been like a college basketball story. But people will start to take the Cyclones like seriously, seriously as in, oh, that's, this is a team that really has some high end March potential. If it can go out and win this game. I know Iowa state fans are extremely excited for this as you should be. Again, as Paris mentioned on the previous podcast, didn't win a game in the first half of, of 2021 and hasn't lost a game 
since this season started there. That's just a heck of a it's just a heck of a whiplash there in the best kind of way. But uh, keep an eye on Isaiah Brockington. He's been awesome. Reigning co-Big 12 player of the week. Um, he had 20 and 13 uh, in one of Iowa State's most recent games against Chicago State. He's been he's been terrific. I can't wait to watch this. A part of me does think that Baylor's going to make a, a dominant statement here because it's just, you know, they, we're really going to doubt the Bears in this spot. So I'm going to take Baylor to win and to cover. But I think Iowa State will show well even in not covering. I think I don't think it's going to be like a, a dominant blowout, but I think Baylor will just eke out and beat that line. Sounds like somebody forgot about Hilton Magic. Uh, okay, uh, what is it? I, can, I can't win. It's either I forget about Hilton Magic <laughs> or I'm disrespectful to every Drew except Drew Timmy. I cannot win except in the picks where I'm winning. You have to thread that needle. Watch me thread the needle. Thread it. I'm about to thread the needle. First off, we did a dribble handoff earlier this week. Took us about seven hours to figure out what day it runs on, but we got it all figured out. Got it done. And the question, as presented by our incredible boss, Marcus Nelson, was um, what conference game are you looking most forward to? And I was like, the one this weekend. And I mean that genuinely. Like like Kansas-Baylor will be awesome, and you know Kentucky-Auburn will be great. I mean, there's a lot of them. And there's a chance we won't even, you know, even remember this one as anything other than, you know, Iowa State's first loss two months from now. But in terms of anticipation, I can't wait for this because you got the reigning national champ and the number one ranked team going into Craig Bracken's Coliseum, otherwise known as Hilton Coliseum, Hilton Magic back in play. You've got the two teams that are first and second in strength of record as of this moment. Both ranked in the top 10. And it's, again, the reigning national champ against the biggest surprise in college basketball. And this is evidence, by the way. If you are a fan of some power conference team and it feels like, God, we got no recruiting class coming. We got no good players coming back. We're struggling right now. When are we going to be good again? What TJ has done at Iowa State this quickly is evidence that because of the one-time transfer waiver, and the abundance of players in the transfer port, you can flip these things overnight. You There was pre-transfer waiver, you couldn't take over mm-hmm. to win Iowa State and flip it in year one. You just couldn't do it. Like, like I remember John Calipari got the Kentucky job, and then, like, you know, he just took John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, and he flipped that thing very quickly. Well, he that was John Calipari. You know, 99.9% of other coaches aren't going to be able to do that at the power conference level. But now you can. And it's not going to be with the John Walls and DeMarcus Cousins, like the top 10 high school players. It's going to be with a transfer from here and a transfer from there. As we talked about, TJ um, enrolled five transfers who were either good or okay players somewhere else. And he, but he's old. He's got an older team. And he meshed them together really well. And I don't know if Iowa State is good enough to beat Baylor um, this weekend. But I do think Iowa State's legitimately good. I do think you're never going to get that figured out, are you? I got I to gotta unlatch. The idea that I learned how to eliminate preseason bias before you learned how to eliminate your phone from your MacBook is one of the great developments of 2021. The vaccine would be on that list somewhere too, but also me learning how to remove preseason bias before you learn to remove your phone from your MacBook. It's 
you know, we could debate, we could debate off, off podcast. We'll debate which one was bigger. Um, I don't know if Iowa state's good enough to beat Baylor tomorrow, but I do think Iowa state's good. Like legitimately, this is an NCAA tournament team. And what if they upset Baylor? I mean, then like, Oh, you're un- 13 and 0 with a win over Baylor in Memphis and Xavier and Creighton and Iowa. You got a Memphis in there. They did. Be- they blew out Memphis. It was the first of Memphis's string of embarrassments. <laughs> they were the first of many to embarrass Memphis this season. I mean, you can make a case. Iowa State should be number one, ranked number one in the country. If they, if it if, wins, yeah. if they win the game, yeah. So here's here's how to show proper respect to the Drew family and Huck, um, but also um, acknowledge Hilton Magic. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think that Iowa State is going to be in a one possession game with Baylor at the under four. And then I think Baylor will, will win it, you know, in those final four minutes, I think Baylor wins a close game, but Iowa state covers. I think I'll take Iowa state plus the seven, but Baylor to, to, to wake up Sunday undefeated, at which point we would then have, I believe three undefeated teams left in college basketball. That's right. What's next game three. Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 22, Villanova, at number 15, Seton Hall, inside the Herb Pope Center. That's why I said Herb Pope earlier. He was in my head. I named an arena after him. Kim Pom has it, Villanova minus one. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Parrish and I will be on CBS Sports HQ all throughout Saturday, as it, by the way. So if you're watching and uh, if you are – one of many who have cut the cord, as they say, and you tend to watch on the streaming. Well, go to the CB, go to your CBS Sports app on your smart TV. Parrish and I will be doing uh, some pregame and postgame hits, starting with a game we're not going to be previewing here, but Wichita State against Memphis. We'll be on 11:45 to talk about that. So, if you want a little bit more, look for us on CBS Sports HQ all day on New Year's Day as you uh, potentially nurse nurse. We going, there. We going ties or no ties? I'm going to I'm going to leave it up to you right now. You make the call. I will do either one. New Year's right. Day. What do you feel? Let's go hoodies. What if we both show up in hoodies? Go in hoodie on HQ. If we just show up 45 seconds before we go on, what are they going to do? And it's it's true, but I can't I can't go hoodie. I can't go hoodie. Let's go white t-shirt. I'm not I'm not going white. T- you said ties or no ties. So I guess no ties technically opens the door for a lot of potential options here. Let's go tank tops. All right. I think ties probably. All right, we'll go ties. I got all these ties anyway. The way I see it is I got all these ties. I got a lot of ties. Might as well put them to use there. Seton Hall, shorthanded. Doesn't have a doesn't have its full allotment of players here. And this is a this is come on now. This is a an urgent game for both teams. The Hall gets a home opportunity against Villanova. Villanova had a nice second half performance. Um more than a week ago, week and a half ago, really, against Xavier, and got a got a good thirteen point home win against X there. But Villanova is eight and four, and has losses on the road to UCLA and OT to Baylor. wasn't competitive whatsoever. I mean, what Baylor did to Villanova, <laughs> yeah, just hadn't been ages, eons since I had seen any team make Villanova look that bad, basically since that Oklahoma game in the, in the non-conference like five years ago. Uh, they lost at Creighton and then lost at Purdue on a neutral. This is also away from home. So I'm interested to see how Villanova looks uh, when it's not in the, the comfy 
confines of uh, of its home gym there. I'm going to go because Seton Hall's shorthanded because it's still it's able to play, you know, th- these new protocols with these conferences are we're going to get rid of the forfeit stuff, but you got to have at least seven to play and a coach for the most part. Seton Hall's within that threshold. Um but, you know, asking them to go multiple games by not having the full allotment of, of important players, I think, is, is significant there. So I will I will take Villanova on the road in this spot because the line's so small. But I do think it's going to be a close game. I think this has a has a good chance of actually being the most competitive game of the weekend. Yeah, I'll take Villanova, too. But, you know, I still believe in Villanova. I've got them ranked pretty high in the top 25 and one because, you know, like, you know, getting blown out at Creighton. Like, yeah, that shouldn't happen. But. And, like, getting embarrassed by Baylor, that shouldn't happen. But, like, you know, Baylor's awesome. Um, They were up on Purdue, and they were up on UCLA. I think double digits in both of those games. And so they got four losses, but, you know, if you can make sense of these two statements, they have four losses, but they played pretty well. They just, you know, blown some opportunities against good teams. They did beat Tennessee. Um, they beat Syracuse. They they beat Xavier. So there's some good stuff there, some not so great stuff there. I still believe in Villanova. I still think they're good. And, you know, for most of the reasons you stated, I'll trust them to to win on the road. But obviously, we're talking about a one-point favorite here. So there's no result that would qualify as a surprise. Seton Hall can obviously win this game. Game four, Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 10 Michigan State at Northwestern. Inside Julia Louis Dreyfus Arena, Ken Palm has it Michigan State minus one. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network. Northwestern's eight and two, and not bad. Not bad. It's seven and two against D one competition. It's its most recent game was against Illinois Springfield and NAIA school, and uh, finally the Wildcats are able to to get back on the mend here. They've not played a D one game. They've had uh, both themselves and opponents have COVID issues, so they've not played a Division one opponent since December twelfth when they were able to be NJIT. So we'll see if they can dust off the cobwebs here. This is a nice, this is a nice Sunday matchup. I actually think it's, I think it's got a good shot of Northwestern uh, pulling off a win here. Michigan state's been solid as of late, jumped into my power rankings on Thursday and Tom Izzo's team. It's only loss since the season opener came against none other than Baylor in the battle for Atlantis there. And Baylor has just done every team basically ran away with it. And uh, it wasn't even a close game, but uh, since then Michigan state's been able to beat Louisville. It uh, was able to win on the road and give Minnesota its only loss of the season so far to this point and um, beat Penn State in Big Ten play earlier in the month. But Michigan State is a team that hasn't had to rest since Christmas. It played earlier this week. It played on Wednesday. It was able to beat High Point by 13 points, and we'll get to Tubby Smith's program in just a minute here. I'm, uh, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go there. I, th- I think I'm going to take. Chris Collins and the, and the and the Wildcats to do this. That's a by the way we talked about earlier. I don't think you've been there. We talked about home arenas and size. Northwestern redid its arena like three four years ago, and the dimensions in that that is a fantastic fantastic college arena. And so, have you been inside? I've never been on that campus. I've got some friends yeah. um, who went to school at Northwestern. Um, friends, kids who are you know went to school at Northwestern. I've never been on that campus. Yeah, it's uh Welsh Ryan, Welsh Ryan Arena. It's uh it's it's just great. They got a they got a really good setup there. Uh, anyone that's been and hears me raving about it knows what I'm talking about. They did a, a really good job. So yeah, give me Northwestern and a close one. I'll take them. I'll take them to win. And in doing so, um, I think 
upgrade their their reputation significantly. I think this is an important game for that program to establish itself in the conference and say, listen, we've got a chance to make the NCAA tournament this season. Because going in, uh, I remember doing when I was doing the one to three fifty eight, just checking in with a few coaches around the league, and there was a thought that Northwestern was going to be not only improved, but uh, it would have a chance to be that team that really jumped up and could be in that, you know, 10, 11, 12 seed range once we got to March there. I think winning these kinds of games are important. We don't have any evidence that Michigan State is a bona fide, surefire top 15 team this season, but it is good. It's NCAA tournament bound almost certainly. And so if you're Northwestern, you want to be able to pick off these kind of games at home. And I think they're going to do it. And I'll pick them to win narrowly. You know, only one of Northwestern's eight wins is over a top 200 Ken Palm team as we went over Maryland. So, you know, the losses are Wake Forest and Providence. You know, Providence is good. And they're close losses. And they're close. And Wake Forest is good. I think Wake Forest is good. Yes. You know, they nearly won at Louisville the other night. I think I think Wake Forest is good. And so um, no bad losses, or at least no humiliating losses, uh, but not much substance in the win column either that could obviously change with this one. You know, um, this is year nine for Chris Collins at Northwestern. Um, famously made the NCAA tournament uh, in 2017, first time in school history. But since then, been not great. Finished 10th, 14th, 13th, and 12th in the Big Ten standings. So that's in the past four seasons. So this could be a bounce-back year for him. So far, so good. Michigan State, um, the only losses, Kansas and Baylor. Do you realize if Dayton doesn't bounce in a shot at the buzzer, your number one teams in the country right now are Kansas and Baylor. It's Kansas 1, Baylor 2 probably. Yes. And so that those are the only teams that beat Michigan State. Um, they've gone from you know. Remember, Michigan State was unranked in the preseason, just barely. They were first in other receiving votes. I did have them in the top twenty-five and one, but they were unranked in the AP poll, and now they're in the top ten. Got wins over Loyola, Chicago, UConn, Louisville, and there was some thought that Max Christie would be their best player. He's having a nice season, but just a nice season. He's only the fourth leading scorer. Gabe Brown. Um, has emerged as as the leading scorer. Interesting college career. Tell me if you think these types of college careers will ever happen again. And I know they will, but like how how common will they be? Six eight four. He averaged two point three points as a freshman. Probably transferred now. <laughs> okay, but then as a sophomore, six point eight. Junior, seven point two, and now as a senior, nearly doubled it. Fourteen point two points per game, shooting thirty nine point five percent. And launching 6.2 threes a game. Um, so he's really emerged as a as a nice player. Should be noted, you mentioned the win over High Point. Max Christie, Marcus Bingham, neither one played in that game mm-hmm. because of COVID issues. Uh, but my understanding is that both are expected to be back um, for this game at Northwestern. So they should be at something, either at full strength or cl- something close to, to full strength. And uh, I'll take them to win the game. I... I, I Northwestern has done well for itself so far, but Northwestern hasn't done anything to make me think they will beat Michigan State, although, you know, we're talking about a one-point spread, so they can. All right, before I get to my fifth, just uh, a few games to give you a heads up on. Saturday, again, Memphis-Wichita State, that's a CBS tip. Um, If Memphis doesn't win, then... It's at large cases is expired as far as I'm concerned. It would probably literally have to win out to the AAC tournament to have any kind of at large case. So um, there's, there's urgency there with the Tigers. And I think Wichita State will win that game. 
CBS Sports Network, 4 o'clock on Saturday. We'll have 10-4 and 4 Boise State at 11-2 and 2 Wyoming. Those are a couple of really good teams. Mountain West is actually doing well for itself. So um, uh, so keep an eye on that one. That's a, that's a quality mid-major game. And then on Sunday, uh, good American matchup, UCF-SMU. That's 2 o'clock ESPN UTIP. And then 6 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Illinois will play at Minnesota, which is an under-the-radar under quality game against two teams that have NCAA tournament resumes, and Minnesota, obviously, among the overachievers in the sport. My fifth game hmm. is it's going to be a Saturday tip. It's, uh, well, I think it's the best mid-major game of the weekend, or at least, you know, for me, the most uh, the most compelling one. And do you know what it is? Did you check the doc? Uh, I, I put it in, but I think you might have not might not have seen it on the doc. It's on the screen right in front of me. I'm going to say it's San Francisco at St. Mary's. Can I introduce the game? Okay. I mean, it's just standards. Like, you literally said, do you know? And so I answered you. I All I did was answer your question. Eight o'clock. You asked me a question. Well, network for all. Hey, sorry. <laughs> sorry, dead leg for answering the question you asked me. Eight o'clock. I don't have a I don't have a TV station for this one. Why don't you tell them what what channel is it on, Parish? I think it's probably on Pac-12 Network. All right, then we might, let's just roll with that one. San Francisco, thirteen and one, at St. Mary's on Omar Samhan Court. Love him. Classic. Reminds me of Amari. He reminds me of Amari Bailey's mom a little bit. Let's not even go there. San Francisco is coached by Todd Golden, who attended St. Mary's. St. Mary's is favored by four in this game. This is the 32nd team at Ken Palm, San Francisco at the 31st team in Ken Palm, St. Mary's. Who you got? I'm compelled to go with the Dons. Dons are good. Plus four. Give me plus four. You give me the Dons plus four. The Pac-12 Network should try to get some WCC games. Why not, right? Why not? Why not? Can't hurt. You're going to go hurt. with the Dons. Hurt. <laughs> You're going to go with the Dons. I, too, will go with the Dons in this game if trivia time. Okay, what? If San Francisco wins this game, it's going to be 14-1. and one. I, I, It's been receiving votes in the AP Top 25 for a while. By the way, someone mentioned this in the chat early on. You have given up the poll tax column, and it's outrageous. I could kill somebody every week. It's so you, stupid. You really could, but it, man, it feels like it's been worse than ever this year. Okay, the the guard has left the gate, and and now the inmates are running the asylum. There's some bad stuff on a weekly basis. People that just are paid to cover this sport. And, you know, they might be they might be covering the CFP semis this weekend. And so they're not exactly up on it. But there's just I'm just I'm just telling no, you, they always make excuses. It's like, oh, we had a busy football weekend. It's like football's over. And it's like, oh, well, you know, so it's all, I get up every morning and rank 26 basketball teams. And I can honestly think of one time where I actually made a mistake like like, oh, God, that team lost yesterday and I forgot to drop them. And the one time I did it, it was literally my birthday. We went out for dinner and stayed out way too late, uh, way too late the, the night of my birthday. And then I had to wake up the next morning. And I was a little foggy headed, as they say. I was just out of I was unplugged for a little while. And that's the only time I can ever remember making a mistake. These these dum-dums, some of them, not all of them, not all of them. I'm not trying to disparage all AP voters, but too many of them make the same ridiculous mistakes over and over again. Did you see this week? Colorado. 
got five points in the AP poll. Do you want to know why? Because some voters clearly thought they were voting for Colorado State. Yeah. It's the only explanation. That stuff happens all the time. It's outrageous. Like, you don't get paid to do the AP poll. You don't have to do it. If you can't, like, put in the – honestly, it takes – if wonder, you can't pay – Yeah, I'm wondering if there's, like, a drag-down menu situation and they're meaning to click. It's not acceptable. I'm just saying. Like, I'm wondering if they, they drop down menu and it's Colorado and Colorado State and they're – you got a slippery finger and they, they just, just, it. just, you know what? Then be more careful. If your fingers I, I, are slippery, I, I, then, then be more careful with your slippery fingers. It's just one excuse after another with these people. I, I um, it, like, it's why I started writing the stupid column to begin with. Um, if you don't have time to do it, just, just decline the opportunity to do it. Just say, you know what? I'm too busy. But if you're going to do something, do it right. I don't understand. I talk to my kids about this all the time. I don't understand people who don't want to take the time to do something right. If you're going to do something, do it right. It'd be like me showing up for this podcast and I haven't even thought about anything. And I'm just like, hey, everybody, Leaky Black, Dodo Birds, and nothing. Welcome to 2015. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I know exactly what we're going to do. From the first minute to the last minute. Well, and then we're gonna, exactly. Well, no, and then we're going to weave in and out and get off track, but I know exactly where we're going. We're going to weave. I got a trivia time I've been waiting to ask you here. I knew I was going to get you going. I shouldn't have done that. Trivia If time. you don't have time to do the job right, don't do it. Or if you really wake up on Monday morning and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't even thought about this, go get the top 25 and one and copy it and just send it in. Just trust me. Trust. If you can't trust yourself, trust me. Plagiarize. Go ahead. Plagiarize. It's better than what you've been doing. Colorado's 82nd at Kempom. Lost to Southern Illinois. They're 9-3. and three. Best wins over Stanford. They got five points in this week's AP poll. Only because people thought, confused them. People confused them with Colorado State. That's, that's silly stuff. Stop doing all the silly stuff. If San Francisco wins at St. Mary's, it's probably at least did better break into the AP top 25. When was the last time, the last year, San Francisco was ranked in the AP top 25? Silvio D'Souza. Just give me a guess. What year do you think it was? Oh, yeah. San Francisco was last ranked. 1968. It's it's a legitimate guess. 1982. 82. I get 68 and 82 confused sometimes. 82 was the last year that the Dons were ranked, so look out for uh, look out for that. All right, as we wrap, a couple of things here. First of all, Paris mentioned Colorado. I know we have listeners in that part of the country, and uh, the scenes that are coming out of the greater Boulder area obviously are devastating, frightening. This is now the second time this month that we are seeing climate activity in this country that we just straight up didn't grow up with. You're not supposed to have wildfires after Christmas in the month of December anywhere. It's it, it should not be happening. Nada has actually dropped a link in the chat uh, to uh, where local officials have actually um, put up a website where you can donate. There have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families that have lost their homes to wildfires. And not just their homes, everything. Everything, everything. There was a Colorado football assistant, a linebackers coach who posted to Twitter late on Thursday that he lost everything. I checked in with the Colorado staff late Thursday night. Um, thankfully, they were okay, but as Tad Boyle told me, a lot of people are not. So 
everyone in that part of the country, you are obviously in our thoughts. Um, and yeah, not if we could even toss this link into the episode description, because obviously the majority of people listening to this podcast are going to be listening to it after the fact and aren't watching the live stream on YouTube in real time. And if they'd like to go and donate, uh, please, this is this will be millions and millions and millions of dollars in damages here. And uh, it's these wildfires are just devastating to see. It's the same effect that we saw in the western part of Kentucky and the college sports industry and obviously the communities who did so much to to help that part of the country and rally and, and donate. So let's try and make sure we do the same there again. Um, sincerely, our thoughts are with you. This is as a devastating thing that's happening. And, you know, right on the cusp of, of New Year's Eve, it's just uh, it's just horrible. So um, you can also look to donate with the American Red Cross, who, who immediately helps in these kind of situations. So I wanted to uh, to alert our listeners to there. And if anyone's listening that's in that part of the country, please know you have our, uh, our love and support. Um, elsewhere, just wanted to give a, a shout to John Calipari in Kentucky because Tubby Smith, high point coach, he's going to be honored. Um, this was a great thing. We mentioned this earlier in the season when it got mentioned. This is, this is happening on Friday here. Uh, Kentucky is hosting High Point. Tubby Smith obviously took Kentucky to a national championship in his first season there in 1998. Um, the game is, is tipping in, within an hour here as we record live. So if you're getting to this later, the game's already happened. But High Point at Kentucky, and Tubby Smith will be honored uh, at Rupp Arena, which I think is just an awesome, awesome, awesome move. I'm so thrilled that this game is going to be played and didn't have to get pushed or canceled because of COVID because Tubby Smith absolutely deserves this. And you talk about a coach who got... I think more flack than he deserved. That was really, that was before social media, but man, oh man, Tubby Smith was, he was just, uh, he was a coach on the hot seat. And this is before I was even covering the sport nationally, but you just knew if you followed the sport, like Tubby Smith went like six straight years of being on the hot seat at Kentucky. And then um, once, once they parted ways, they quickly realized, uh, <laughs> you know, just simply replacing uh, coaches at Kentucky is not so simple when they brought in Billy Gillespie there, but he's getting a great moment on, on Friday here and good on Calipari for making sure to, uh, to make that happen. So yeah, I just wanted to be sure to, to, uh, to bring that up as we're off the pod. John's good about um, trying to give credit to, you know, people who he thinks maybe don't get enough of it. And clearly Tubby Smith is that within that part of his career as the Kentucky head coach. You know, he went to, he won a national championship in year one. And then even some people were, I don't want to say dismissive of that, but discounted it by saying, yeah, but it was with Rick Patino's players. Because Rick won it in 96 and then I think went to the title game in 97. And then Tubby takes over and, you know, he's got you know, a lot of those players and they win it in 98. Um, I mean, it is true that it was some of Rick's players, but like Tubby coached that team. And that's Tubby's national championship. After that, never went back to the Final Four. But he did go to the NCAA tournament 10 straight times. Like, you know, John Calipari hadn't done that at Kentucky. Um, one of the things I've always said is that if you are the coach at Kentucky for 10 years, you've done a great job. Because you can't keep that job for 10 years. And when I got the job at CBS, it was July 2006. So, as it turns out, just before the start of Tubby's last year at Kentucky. And... I remember, you're right, it was pre-social media, but it wasn't pre-YouTube. And there were like, there was this white guy 
um, for lack of a better word, um, redneck, who would like put pictures of Tubby Smith like up on a target and then like shoot at him with a rifle. And I can remember like, you know, seeing these videos and laughing at him. Oh, isn't that funny? And with the benefit of hindsight and perhaps age and maturity, um, it wasn't funny. It was ugly. I mean, it was reprehensible. It's not the type of thing that would be laughed about in the year 2021. But that was real stuff that happened. I mean, it got very, very ugly um, with that fan base um, as it related to Tubby Smith. Uh, you know, I think some could probably argue it got a little racist, maybe a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have to gloss over the fact that Tubby wasn't doing well at the end. I mean, he went nine and seven in the SEC in back to back seasons. You know, any SEC coach, any Kentucky coach who does that is going to find himself facing criticism. But with Tubby, it just got a little more intense than it probably should have gotten. It seemed to be a little bit more about than just his ability to coach a basketball team or run a basketball program. And as I wrote in the lead to the top 25 and one on Friday morning, you know, time has a way of healing these things. I mean, on the day Nolan Richardson was fired at Arkansas. Could you have ever imagined Nolan Richardson going back to Arkansas and being um, celebrated? Uh, You know, it it would have been hard, but now, you know, that court's named after him. He goes back to Bud Walton. They love him. He loves them. That's the way it should be. Did amazing things there. And, uh, you know, with time, Bob Huggins and Indiana have gotten to a better place. Not quite that place, but better, better place. Been back in the building. Time has a way of taking the, the emotion out of it and giving people time to properly reflect. And um, I know as Tubby left there, because by the way, he was not fired at Kentucky. He left for Minnesota. He left Kentucky for Minnesota. And it was because like at some point you just don't want to live like that anymore. You know, you don't want to live like that anymore. That's why Mark Turgeon stepped down in the middle of the season, by the way. Yeah. It's the same stuff. Just like, it's not fun. Like, you know, I don't want to speak for Mark, but like, he had he he had been ripped of his ability to enjoy doing his job. Whether you think that's right or wrong, whatever, I'm just telling you that's how he felt. He felt like he could not enjoy his job anymore, and so he walked away. And that's the way life got for Tubby at Kentucky. And so he went to Minnesota, and they were glad to see him go. And then Billy Gillespie was not great, and but now they got John Calipari, so you know they're they're fine. But I know Kentucky fans didn't make him feel appreciated as he left. And that's because of all of the emotions involved and the circumstances under which he left. But I do love that he'll get to enjoy that. His family will get to experience that, um, you know, as we're speaking, you know, in about 40 minutes or so, 30 minutes or so, because they deserve that. Uh, Perhaps it's true that he didn't do enough great things at Kentucky, but he did a lot of good things. He, he was he ran a consistently good program um, for for a decade. And um, I know anybody who listens to my radio show might find it um, odd that I would be speaking this way about Tubby Smith, considering when he was the head coach in Memphis, I was the one I was the first one to ever yell it. And the one who yelled it most consistently, you have to end this with Tubby Smith. 
I was suggesting ended after year one. And I screamed so loud ended after year two that it, you know, it created enough momentum in some ways. It created enough momentum to get that done. He was fired at Memphis after two years. And because, again, both these things can be true. Tubby Smith has had an amazing career. He was a disaster at Memphis. It was a terrible fit. Um, but I will tell you, and I only tell this story because I do think it speaks to who Tubby Smith is. Um, in his second season, it was not going well, as anybody could have predicted. And I was like, I was on the radio every day talking about the, they've got to fire Tubby Smith. Like they cannot do a third year of this. There's no reason to think year three will be any different than year two. And attendance has plummeted to nothing. I mean, they were getting 1,100 people for games and 18,000 NBA arena. It was bad, bad, bad. Not just on the court, but like losing tons of money that they cannot afford to lose. Every day I'm on the radio talking about fire Tubby Smith, fire Tubby Smith, got to fire Tubby Smith. You got to move on. And then, of course, I'm doing sidelines, CBS Sports Network on a Memphis game. And the way that works is you got to go to a shoot around the day of the game. So now suddenly for the first time in a while, I'm going to be face to face with this man who I've been saying every day needs to be fired. And. You know, you, you're a big boy. You show up and you, you know, you look them in the eye because, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to say something, I've always believed you should have the whatever it takes to stand in front of them and show your face. And so, like, there I was. But if I'm telling the truth, I was, uh, I felt awkward. It felt, I felt a little, not nervous, but I mean, I didn't think he was going to try to fight me or anything, but like, I had been yelling, fire this man for six months straight. So he walks in to shoot around and, um, just recently, um, there had been an article written about my youngest son and the circumstances under which he was born. For people who don't know, he was a high-risk um, baby. We were actually advised by our doctors to terminate the pregnancy for the health of my wife and under the idea that the baby had almost no chance of surviving. And we d declined to do that and decided we'd just see it through. And um, he was premature and was in a NICU for, you know, a while, but like... He's five years old now, and he's awesome. And so the hospital um, that delivered him, where, where he was delivered, um, you know, they have used this story, our story, to, you know, to tell a story about their hospital and all of the great things that happened there. And a story had recently been written, and I didn't know Tubby Smith had read it, but he clearly had. So contrast these two things. For six months, I've been yelling, fire Tubby Smith. And he walks in the shoot-around. And he walks straight to me, not to his players, not to his coaches, not to Pete Gillen. He walks straight to me. And I'm like, see, it it's like in slow motion. I'm like, oh, God. Reaches his hand out, and he says, how's Louie doing? He said, I just read about him. What a miracle. Told my wife about him. So happy for you guys. And it just makes you feel like garbage <laughs> because of, the way the thing, it didn't mean that what I'd said was untrue, but like, boy, it'll make you feel, you know, I just had one of those, I walked out of there feeling like, you know, God, that maybe this is who I am and that's who he is. Cause there's no scenario where I would be that thoughtful towards somebody who was trashing my job performance every day. And yet he's just a decent man. I, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He's a decent man. He, he hasn't been a great fit everywhere he's coached, but he's had an amazing career and he was really good at Kentucky. And I'm glad he and his family are going to get to have that, that, that experience inside Rupp arena. And I can appreciate John Calipari working 
to make it happen. Because unless John wants this to happen, he just doesn't happen. Thanks for that story, GP. The game is now over. Kentucky has defeated High Point 86 to 71. So that was a great win for Kentucky. Now it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Everyone have a safe and happy new year. Um, enjoy the college football playoff semifinals, which frankly feel like they're sneaking up on us. But uh, given that many of us will be staying home uh, for a variety of reasons tonight, I actually am I'm kind of loving the fact that we're getting these games on New Year's Eve to kind of occupy the time there. But uh, Yes, have a safe and happy new year. Reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Nada has produced a year in review video that is on the channel. So be sure to go and find that. Again, it's not in the podcast feed. It's only on the YouTube channel. So please subscribe. Apparently, we are just a handful away. We're 8 to 10 subscriptions away from hitting our uh, our December goal. So if you could do that for us, thank you again for an amazing 2021. You guys have uh, helped make this podcast grow. And yeah, man, this is this is the last of it. I don't know if 2022 is going to be dumber than 21 because 21. I, I, I'm, I, I'm looking really forward to 2023. I feel like 2023 is going to be a real bounce back year for us. Okay, but 2022, you're not, you don't have any hope. Not getting off to a great start, dead leg. You can acknowledge we're not off to a great start. We're not there yet. I mean, we're there in Australia, so I guess the the, the listeners in Australia can certainly indicate what the start is like got record COVID numbers and wildfires wiping out boulder colorado what what are we doing i know not uh not good as we wrap you gotta my wife asked me this morning if i had any new year's resolutions and i usually do but i don't have any yet i gotta think on it you got any new year's resolutions i'm gonna ride my peloton more okay i want to get awesome at golf i think that's been your these are these are these are always my new resolutions. <laughs> I want to ride my Peloton more and be awesome at golf. Yeah. All right. I'd like to I'd like to eat five pieces of pizza and st- still be skinny like you. I know our 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 listeners have resolutions to continue to subscribe to the YouTube channel, rate us five stars on the platform of your choice, and even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, go and leave, go and leave a review. Who else? Listen. We were the first college podcast to ever go to video on YouTube. Just just a fact. Okay. We're here for you on New Year's Eve. We're going to be back on Sunday night to recap the weekend. And, you know, just a little, just let, just let us know that, uh, that you're there for us. Cause we try and be there for you and we appreciate you much. Let's get out. Oh, it's New Year's Eve. Let's get out. Of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Roderick Miller, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Sincerely, thank you guys once again for listening to Iron College Basketball Podcast, Dumbest Pandemic, My Lifetime. What in the world is going on? What's going on? What is going on, dead leg? I never seen one like this. Hey. I never seen one like this. Yeah. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars at both places. Leave nice comments. Smash the like button on YouTube. Brandon Davies would do it. Wonder what Brandon Davies trying to get into tonight, New Year's Eve. I bet I know. Bet you five bucks I don't. Let's go. I know what Brandon Davies is trying to get into. I wish him luck. We're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. 
That's right. That'll be January 2nd, 2022. Looking forward to it already. Till then, take care. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.